Welcome to NFT Tales, our podcast to talk about our adventures in NFT land and current events in the NFT world. My name is Jeremy Craig. And this is Jonathan Smith. This is episode seven of this podcast titled 2021, Year in Review. In this episode, we are going to review some of the major events in the NFT world in 2021 and talk about what we're looking forward to in this upcoming 2022 year. You know, Jeremy, 2021 was like the year of the NFT, so it'll be hard for 2022 to top that. But for now, let's go ahead and review what happened in 2021. Let's get into it. All right, John. So which story or event do you want to start 2021 out with? You know, I really think the story of 2021, kind of of NFTs at a very high level, is the story of CryptoPunks. The CryptoPunk project, you know, it was the first one back in 2017, maybe not the first one on Ethereum, that had the kind of traits like we think of, 10,000 of them and the random traits. And it was the first modern type of uh, this sort of NFT. But it really didn't take off until this year. You know, uh, earlier this year, on January 23rd, an alien sold for 605 ETH. And at that time, none of them had sold for anywhere near that. So it made news. And I I remember that was what really kind of brought me into the NFT space. I mean, we kind of look at NFTs, think about them. Uh, I really caught my, you know, like, oh, wait. You know, I've heard of them before, but maybe I should be, you know, spending my own time and effort and looking into this more. And I, I looked at that time, and around that time, the the CryptoPunk floor was something like 21. I remember I could get one for like 21, 24. There's a couple on there, you know. Uh, now, as you know, that's probably like 10x, period, is the, what oh, the yeah. floor is. Like, if, if maybe not more, depending on, right? So, um, So that growth over the year... And how much the anywhere you are with NFTs, like the first thing you'll see is CryptoPunks. And how, I mean, how many NFTs in both our wallets are like bit, 8-bit something or whatever, right? You know, or whatever, right? Or how many punk things are there out there, like derivatives and all that, right? Like I trying to chase that success. Flipped punks, you know, one way, the other way, upside down, and then every derivative that you can add. I mean, so we started at 605 back in January 23rd, and that, that one made news it was because it was such a big sale for 605 ETH. And then this December, an A-Punk sold for 2,500 ETH, that it was bought back in like February for 650. So that shows you the growth of the CryptoPunks in the space. It's kind of defined in a lot of ways how the space has grown as a high, people with higher-end appetites, higher-end budgets have gotten into NFTs. And whenever they, you know, you want to trade and you want to get into like the, you know, the highest end NFT, you're pretty much shooting for CryptoPunk. And so that that's been very interesting. Um, you know, uh, I, I, what, what do you think about all the the punk NFTs or whatever? What, what's your take on that, Jer? You know, ironically, I didn't ever really like the art. And so I just had to respect it for being a first mover and, and you know, one of the OGs. Um, I know I looked at even the Cryptoads at first, Zombie Toads, like uh, even the WGMI Phoenix is a, a pixelated. I think my Llama Verse Pass is actually going to go to pixelated. So it, it's definitely a, a hot, 
um, attribute that you know most of these NFTs are, are going for. I know we always keep things relative to ETH, but I also want to look at it. ETH was like under a thousand a year ago, and it sold for six fifty, and then now it's like three thousand, and it's still sold for four times that. Like that that's a huge growth factor. Like what twelve x or more in a year. Yeah, so that means, yeah, you're right, going from 605 earlier in the year to 2500 a day, just in relative money, too, is, like, huge, right? It's um, amazing. But, you know, I'm kind of part of what it is. I remember reading the article about the guy who sold that one, and he's like, you know what? I had this rare one. I really want to get this market going. Like, I want something that make news, so that's why I listed it. And I looked it up. It was bought in July, originally bought in July 2017, but back, so back when no one cared, Right for mm-hmm. eight ETH and sold for 605. So he still made a pretty decent. <laughs> oh yeah. Huge, huge penny. <laughs> but and, and I think he had other ones too. I mean, he knew he was doing his wallet at, you know, it was pretty punked up, but it, that, that kind of growth, that kind of excitement, I think, you know, it was, you look at the rankings and what's almost always up there at the top of crypto punks. And you, anytime you see a new article about, NFTs and like the New York Times or something, the sh- shot is of a crypto punk. It just really has defined the space. And I think that that's, you know, one thing, even though they were made originally in 2017, their growth this year and how big they've been part of the popular conversation is something that has to be talked about. Another thing that kind of happened early in the year, Jeremy, that needs to be talked about is that whenever the, the people, the first 5,000 days NFT was sold, for like mm-hmm. 69 million bucks back in March. That was a really big deal. I got really excited about that for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, that was a huge amount of money for an NFT, right? Oh, yeah. Like that was the thing. Like that was like, wow. You know, so back in, I was excited about like a crypto bunk selling for like 700,000 or whatever back in January. But, you know, this was 69 million, you know, in March. And it was, you know, but also whenever I had time to digest it, remember how excited I was just about that, that Christie was, was getting in NFTs and that they took ETH which meant that that's one of the like official like currencies or whatever. And what that meant for ETH and everything, like it just was a really important thing for the space, you know? Yeah. It was during that time. I think you talked to me into buying a Mooncat. So if I had more diamond hands, I'd still have it. Yeah. You know, that, that I definitely, that's whenever I got into around March is whenever I really got into NFTs the first time a lot. And, you know, it's just whenever a lot of crazy NFT stuff started popping off, you saw, uh, there were the tweet that got sold for two million, the first tweet ever, or the meme like nine cats being sold for 300 ETH this year. I mean, you've just seen these things that are just like headlines, and that that really that headline cycle got started, I think, around that March time frame. That was this was the first thing that kind of rose above and and hit home. Okay, so let, let's get you into the game a little bit more. Another thing that happened this year is that even though Top Shots technically launched back in October 1st, 2020 as a beta, it, whenever you look at the metrics and everything, it blew up in February 2021. And across this year, now you're looking at Dapper Labs that's worth over $7 billion. So let's talk about it, Jeremy. Uh, the, the, what's the Top Shot story for you in 2021? Well, how, how do you look at it? Oh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. February 23rd was actually the day I signed up for my Top Shot account. And I'm going back through there. There was actually a, you know, 1310 ticket or something here in Dallas, and they talked about it. And there, there's quite a few accounts that signed up on either the day before, the day of, or the day after I did. But, you know, from Top Shot to All Day to Susables, I mean, Flow's blown up. I uh, I know I talk to you about Flow Vertage a lot, but 
I think the floor for a spark has tripled. I've got three rare boosters and and those have doubled. So really right now for me, everything flow is is touched, has been um explosive, but top shot um is still my number one. Obviously, I just got two legendary cards, the first two legendaries I've gotten. So I, I got six thousand extra um collector score points and they're adding different metrics and and you know the websites are are upping their game on different evaluation standards so you can kind of judge your your collection a little different. You know, that's one thing that's been amazing about Top Shots is the the metrics and the effort putting in like third party websites and all that, you know. Um it's it's really kind of cool how the Top Shot experience hasn't really grown this year. Let's be honest, right? I mean, they, they, they've gotten really good about how they're managing what they built as far as putting together these competitions that you love and these flash challenges and all that. But it's not like the market really changed this year. I mean, I never got a chance to be able to send you just like a top shot in a wallet this year or something like that. Like certain right. functionality got pushed out in the future, but instead it became a really hands-on experience just watching the day-to-day, the month-to-month of, you know, how top shots moved in the market and all that. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a wild ride, you know, going from something that back in early February had only people had spent like 50 million up to that point. And then in, by the end of the month, it was like 50 million a day. I mean, that's a story. I mean, that, that, that's a real blow, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's something that happened this year. Right. So, and I'd be interested to see what the statistics say after they did the rake back when they gave everybody the dapper bucks back, because there, there's been a, a consistent increase in prices and, and floor volume, um, since that, people were were splurging on more expensive moments and and trying to complete sets. So I know that I got rid of my Hamadou Diallo again, part of the Wolf Pack, at like nineteen hundred bucks, and it's four thousand today. So um, Top Shot is definitely not going anywhere. This it's not uh, over seven hundred fifty million uh, million dollars on Top Shots. One of the bigger, more accessible, and mainstream NFT things out there. Uh, also thinking about mainstream NFTs that happened launched this year. If we're talking about ones that launched this year, easily the Bay Area Yacht Club is the the big headline one, right? Um, it, it, it's been very popular. It's something that's gotten around really in the celebrity community. I read somewhere even Eminem has one now, right? And yep, just uh, picked one up doing the halftime show with Snoop. And Snoop's yeah, got one. Yeah, Snoop's got one, and. What what was that company that got one and and then used it with their Adidas? Their Adidas, that's right. Um, I know Susby sold that collection of them for like twenty four million or whatever, which really showed. I, from what I checked, right now them and the CryptoPunk floors are really battling each other. It might even be higher right now. So, oh yeah, uh, it's always who's going to flip who. And that's amazing for something launch this year. So if you're talking about project launch this year, that's definitely up there. Genesis Cyber Kongs, I think, is one of those ones that's really up there. People would love to have one of those in their wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, cool Cats, another one that, that launched this year that people really have taken a liking to. So I think that that was uh, a big thing. Another thing I really want to talk about, because you know me, Mooncat, is how Mooncats got revived this year. That's what really what got me into NFTs was how that project, which uh, originally started back in 2017, actually a couple months after CryptoPunks, uh, was the first generative project that was on chain so all of the artwork can be generated off chain um was the first project that 
um, that have like a, a class type system where it does where the rarity basically doesn't mean that much. They're they're pretty much the same, and instead they've extended it with accessories and all that. And so, I'm a huge fan of the Mooncats. I love that effort that got put into the so, quote unquote you know saving of them, and I, all the people got in there and reminted them. And um, it's just been a fun community to be part of, and it's something that. Whenever I was looking at the historical value at that point, whenever I was ready to jump in, CryptoPunks had taken off and I wanted something with real historical value. And that's why I jumped in the Mooncats because I, I I saw something that, you know, did have a lot of first lineup. Um, and then we saw people go excavating things like the the Bitcoin NFTs that were first in a lot of ways or how people figured out how to wrap uh, Curio cards, which is a very early NFT. So there was a lot of excavation that was done this year. Yeah, and I definitely think, you know, for those that don't know, you might have to give a little backstory to those Mooncats and, and why they call it like adoption and, and why you said like rescuing them. Like, what do you mean rescuing an NFT? Kind of go into that. So there's a smart contract for any NFT, right? So so whenever uh, someone creates an NFT project, they make a smart contract. People go to that smart contract, usually through a nice website, GUI and all that, but you can go straight to the contract that then basically you pay the gas and the contract, you know, it does it runs a program and then mints you your NFT. And with the Mooncat project, it basically was an unsuccessful NFT, like many today, and kind of mm-hmm. got lost and forgotten about. And then whenever the NFT world blew up, people went, hey, look, there's this whole project out there that never minted out that had all these first. And then people jumped on the old contract and there was this huge fight as people blew through. The one thing different about uh, Mooncats is, again, it was early back then. There's like 25,000 of them, compared to like 10 or something of some, mm-hmm. you know most projects. So there was like a, still a lot left to be created, so to speak. And then once that they all got minted out, suddenly there was a big push for there to be development tools around them and a community around them. And there was a liquidity pool built around them, which was a way that you could get your value back out of them without having to sell them is kind of what a little quitty pool is. I'm, I'm simplifying. But anyway, it was just a, the big community kind of built around this thing that was kind of dead and got revived. And it just showed how the NFT market had matured, had come back around and was claiming early space that legitimacy in that early space was a valued thing. And um, the in the same time frame, we saw a lot of celebrity NFTs get launched that today don't have nearly the same play as some of this historical stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows that it's not really who it's coming from so much as why and, and 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 what people feel about it for one reason or the other, right? So, um, I don't know. Uh, w- w- you, you thought I was crazy whenever I was getting all those mooncats. It probably was. Oh, no. Maybe a little. But in hindsight, it'll be a smart move. Um. Let's see who else we got. Oh, you talked about popular people and 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 celebrities. What about some of the celebrities that did do well, like Gary Vee? Yeah, he became a millionaire this year. Um, there was definitely kind of a NFT Twitterati or something, you can call them, that uh, definitely got a lot of play this year. And there became kind of this community built around NFTs that we're part of. And we're happy to, to continue to contribute to and and be a part of that space. Um, actually, but it's more about the the, tri- the billionaires and trillionaire companies that jumped in, you know, like we talked about Adidas or Pepsi or Coke, uh, Coke, <laughs> Budweiser. I mean, it's, it, you just turn around and it seemed like every brand was popping out an NFT. Some of them did them right, you know, like uh, a lot of people like the Adidas one, Tighter Roll merch. 
Um, some people did them wrong, like Ubisoft, and how they basically sold none because they never gave that value or showed that value to the gamer community. But uh, I think the corporate world was just all over NFTs this year, and I, I see that growing next year. I mean, how, how could it not, right? Right. I mean, they added it to the dictionary this year for, you know, word of the year, I think. So, yeah, the, 2021 was the year of the NFT. And yet here we are at the end of the year and a lot of people still don't understand the point of them, the value. Too many people think they're just money laundering, people scamming each other. You know, mm-hmm. you've heard it all like me, too. And I get it. And some of it might be. I mean, let's not be ignorant. But at the same time. There is an appreciation for people that are in the space that really like the art and like the projects. I mean, like the people around them, you know, they themselves, no one blinks an eye whenever some online game, multiplayer online game makes billions like a Fortnite or something of people spending on this universe. Right. But why would uh, Top Shots be worth 750 million? That's ridiculous. You know, it's like, well. People want to be associated with that community. People want, I don't know, let's do the rant. Why, why do you have Top Shots, Jeremy? You want to be, you you personally like the players. And keep going, you do it. Not yeah, me. I mean, yeah. It, I'm a fanatic. That's the true definition of the word, right? So I, I'm a Mavs fan for life. I, I love Dirk. I love Luka. Um, you know, like I said, I, I got two legendary cards this week and moved up the collector board status. So now that they have a way to, you know, measure that, I'm the 11th, you know, most collector score point collector for the Mavericks team series. And I was 23rd, you know, last week. So it, it's that nostalgia of card collecting of, you know, being a fanboy but actually having something to show for it. And then it's that NBA 2k, um, you know, tokenomic style playability just year in and year out. It's something that I can cross off. I know how many completed sets I have. I finished, you know, two more series two team sets this week. So it's, it's about, having something that I can cross off and say I did and, and, you know, put in my hip pocket for the future. You know, I, I, I think that's the real thing that we're thinking about, you know, ending on 2021 is that that this is the year whenever we, a lot of people got engaged and, and really got excited about NFTs because of new innovation space, whether it was associated with the end, uh, NBA, whether it was the cool staking or tokenomics ideas, whether it was the art or the backstory or whatever, you know, that all these projects, there's so much innovation in this space. You just took it as pure financial innovation. It's the biggest boom in maybe decades, you know, centuries. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't see that. They just look at why would you buy a JPEG? They don't see all the innovation that's being built around these cryptocurrency items. And that's what we try to break down in this podcast. That's what we try to get into. That's what we're going to talk more about next year. So let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, me and Jeremy are going to get into our predictions for 2022 and what we're looking forward to doing next year. All right, call your shot, Jeremy. What's your biggest prediction for 2022? Oh, man. So... I don't think I'm going out on a limb too much by saying it, but I think Flow is going to become the number two chain um, for NFTs and, and collectibles behind, you know, the Ethereum chain this year. I think they're going to exert their dominance and, and everyone's going to know that's the second best chain out there. I mean, right now, Dapper Labs is worth $7 billion, so that's billions for them to support. 
And if you think about it, that's they can't justify that off the revenue of what they're getting off top shots. I don't know what they're getting, but no matter what they're getting, if there's only 750 million, no, you can't justify the revenue. But what people are investing in, in these rounds is they're probably selling, look, we're going to have the first access to NFL NFTs. Well, you know, we'll have the first access to certain celebrity, you know, I could see them becoming the legitimate doorfront for NFTs that people want. Because every time these celebrities come to just open sea, it just it has a little bit of excitement and then it's underneath the current, right? Okay. They don't last. But they've last because they've carved out a space and they develop around it and they provide a good experience. And yeah, I think you're right on to say that at the very least, whatever I, I would associate what they're doing is moving forward. Um, the, the overall flow chain is going to kind of go ebb and flow, so to speak, where people are going to ask and demand for functionality. Like once the NFL crowd comes in, once more projects come on, are they going to demand more decentralization? Are they going to demand more options and more robust wallets? Or are they going to demand like a hologram and two dudes hitting each other or something, you know? And if it's the second one or whatever, then maybe think, you know, it might be where the development pucks go, so to speak, right? So um, I'm kind of excited to actually see what happens in that space for 2022 as far as what innovations happen to connect the real world to uh, NFTs and vice versa, um, whether it's screens and devices for displaying NFTs, whether it's using NFTs in virtual sandbox world type environments. Um, I'm really excited to see the application for NFTs that people have been collecting up until this now. Um, they definitely, I, I don't think they're going anywhere, right, Jared, at the very least? Oh, no. I mean, I, I spent over an hour today paying, uh, playing, um, I think it was play.onlinepixel something. So I, I was my gold llama pass running around and clicking on other um, RPG looking players. And I completed four tasks and got like 110 points because it, it's it's the beta version. And I'm hoping that I can get some sort of XP or something that carries over to the, the actual version they debut. Nice. You know, I think that th th that's a prediction I'd make is that there's so much people trying to uh, pull gaming in NFTs. And as I talked about in the last episode, gamers are really skeptical about NFTs. It's a, it's just a, not a market that's receptive to what an NFT is, how they're made. Um, I mean, the game I played today wouldn't be one that any gamer would want to play. It was exactly at best. And it was, you know, the eight direction, like you had to strafe to go diagonal. Like it's not something they want to do. It's it's reverting in their gameplay. And I, you're you're nailing it. And I think what we're going to see more is, I mean, the top revenue games in the world right now are a lot of times like mobile, like Candy Crush games. Right. Like it's not yep. it's not Call of Duty all the time or whatever. Right. And I think that there's going to be a mainstream gaming. I think there's going to be someone other than Axie that's going to find success in gaming, maybe even wait a lot of success. But it's going to be something that's more basic and straightforward and click. You know what I'm saying? Like, it will not be because that is where a lot of the audience is, especially with mobile devices. And that is, I think, where you're going to find a more receptive audience of people that are like, hey, this is cute. All right. Rather than ones that are like, I hate the bubble. So I think that'll be one of the things that gamers will be bitching about at the end of the year will be, uh, 
oh man, NFTs are so successful in the space and a part of games that we don't like or whatever. But there'll be a lot of innovation over there for those that can appreciate it. So I think uh, the the NFT space is one place that are aligned with people that really want to build out that metaverse and build out those kind of games, right? Jeremy, they just keep popping up. Yeah, and I, you know, I may be wrong because it's kind of right at the cusp of my comprehension, but I feel like the gaming aspect is just the entry into like VR. Like, I don't really think they want to stay in the gaming world as they just kind of want to implement it and test the software and see if it works. Because isn't VR kind of a, a more heavier um, requirement? And it's a it's the the full exertion of that program versus a game. Like, if they can do it in a game, then they turn it VR. But I don't think they want to take over the gaming industry. I think they want to take over, you know, the VR metaverse. You know, okay, so you're thinking about VR. In, in To do VR, virtual reality, you have to have equipment, right? Like, you have to have the headset and all that. Um, it is where you can build a virtual world that can fool your senses, but I really feel like the metaverse is something that's going to blend both ways. It'll be places that people go to that's a digital universe, but also a crossing of the digital universe in our space. And you know what one of the most top revenue games is of the last couple of years, Jeremy, is Pokemon Go. And that's people making like little things appear on their screen out in the real world using the camera and all that, right? Like the AR. Mm -hmm. And I could see that being a real application for NFTs. You know, if someone like Apple drops smart glasses like they've been predicting for the last five years in any kind of tech show or whatever and that finally happens and there's something like a google glass but you know you look at people and they have a dragon tail and you look at people and you know you could create this digital world that that meshes with the real world with some sort of thing i would be wearing my moon cat all the time i'd be walking mm -hmm. around like a damn purple cat you know um well as, as much as Lindsay would let me probably right like so uh, but you know, my son would like it as he's, he likes his podcast. Yeah. So, um, uh, th th that would work out. But, uh, at the very least, I feel like that people are being too, you know, right now, Facebook's kind of dominating that VR space. The only, only Sony has a shot at it. Like that, that, that needs, or, or valve that needs to kind of get pushed out. And I think instead where we're going to see people is their metaverse is this type of game or this type of environment or just these places where they go to an online community that honestly is kind of almost like, wow, 10 years ago. Like it doesn't have to be that advanced, right? Um, it's just a lot of people have never had that type of experience. And if they come in and in there, they their NFT works and their friends are there and there's a brand that they like and all that, I don't know. I just see that that's kind of the thing that, that can get over the top, especially with the type of incentive models NFTs have. I could see that really hitting with the type of audience that likes that freemium business model. So I think I think there'll be success in gaming. Someone will make the connection in 2022, and it won't be what you expect, and it won't be some AAA like PlayStation 5 game. It'll be a click mobile game, and everyone will be kind of blown away by it and try to copy it. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, um, you make a prediction now. Your turn. Oh, man, put me on the spot again. All right. Um, so I guess I would say that the newcomer chain that I don't think is going to exert dominance but is going to be a, a an up-and-coming player is going to be the Crow chain, Kronos. Um, yeah. I feel like they're going to have some um, market grab. They're going to get a little bit more of the market share. So they're going to be the blackberry of the industry for a while. And, and we'll see if they can, you know, garnish enough to stay around or if it'll come and fade quickly, but they've got quite a few projects that I'm seeing a lot of traction on, on, on Twitter and some other spaces. So, um, I, that to me tells me it's, it's gaining a little bit of traction. 
you know, that's something to really look forward to in 2022 is the competition in the crypto space between these different blockchains and between layer twos on these blockchains to kind of see who ends up inheriting that that dominant space whenever you're coming to where you want to mint NFT, where you want to have an NFT, you know. ETH would have sunk it away without the fees. And so one part of that story that we're looking into going into next year is how does ETH grow? Does it grow? Do they pull off the merge and go to proof of stake? Even if they do, that's only going to really minorly increase the transactions. People and have an, uh, uh, always a grasp of that, that the way it launches, it's actually going to have about the same throughput as it currently has, like a little bit more, not a ton more. And so it's not like gas prices are going to be cut in a fourth or something the first day. It's just about it being a cleaner way of running it and a more secure way of running it going forward. And a new model that eventually can scale with sharding whenever more, there's more staked Ethereum than there is today, whenever more of the institutions get involved because there's an exit and entry medium and all that. And But that's further off. Like, does there be level layer twos? And we've talked about those before on Ethereum that grow. So we've already seen, what is it, Mutable X, right? Mm-hmm. It's one made for NFTs. Does that grow? Um. Does Polygon the sidechain to Ethereum, does that grow? And does that take on more in the NFT space? Or instead, does more of the market share go to like a soul and go to, you know, these other, these, you know, uh, I think that that's something very interesting to watch in this particular space is how the actual crypto technology grows behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there could be a layer two solution that would really cut ETH costs that was accepted, that might be an ace, you know, the solution, right? Like that might be the the, the long term play. Uh, would be make for a great airdrop. I'll tell you, I'd love to be part of that. So it makes me want to use some more layer twos for NFTs. I might get an immutable X just to do it. You might get an airdrop out of that one day, right? So, <laughs> oh, I'll be uh, using immutable X because that's what Gary V's books are coming through. So I, I had twenty four books to give out at Christmas because I signed up for two of those free NFTs. That's you know in the ETH innovation space. So. Um, but not everything's going to succeed. I, I predict some failures coming. I hate to be negative, right? But not everyone in this space is going to succeed in like in 2020. Like in 2021, there was a period where it seems like almost anything took off, right? Me and you love that, right? Like oh, it was yeah. just ramp for a while, right? And there's still ones that blow up and there's still success in the space. But I predict some people are going to overextend next year. Um, some people are going to get busted on some rug pulls and there'll be some more drama. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it'll be a little bit more roller coasty, I think, than even this year. But the highs might be higher. That might that'll be cool, huh? Oh yeah, I don't think any project, any repetitive PFP, you know, ten thousand production with thick black lines is is automatically going to take off. But I do think that um, there was a drawback, and and a lot of these projects, you know, recentered and and put a little bit of different focus. So we should still see a lot of innovation and a lot of really good projects. But there's definitely going to be some that die on the vine. You know, at the end of the day, and I, I say this so much over the holidays, I feel like a broken record, but people are living more and more in an online space. Undebatable, period. End of the story, right? Right. And so how could something like NFTs, which is a, the only way that we know of to have a cross-platform proof of ownership, basically, in that digital space, can't continue to grow, right? It's just there's too much going on the space where people are getting taken advantage of and all that. And there's it, got to be growing pains to get past it. 
And there could be a big reward out there for the people that, you know, they, we're all going to make a type theory where the people that got in early, once there's that higher accessibility, that those people are going to be the ones that at the very least are helping drive what the community looks like in not only next year, but the years to come. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about what we're excited about this year. We're talking about the industry and all that, like we know something. Let's just talk about what you mean you're excited about doing this year at FT related. Um, so what, what projects are you looking forward to, or what, what just are you looking forward to seeing this year on your side for NFTs? You know, I'm not going to lie. I was really hyped about the llama pass at first. Uh, it's rebranded and it's the llama verse now. And I really think, um, they've done a lot and made a lot of strides. They've had a lot of alpha. So I'm really excited about them. They've introduced me to four or five different projects. Most recently was the crypto bats by Ozzy. Um, so Ozzy Osbourne's got one, and it, it's a funky-looking crypto bat. So um, I'm fighting for a whitelist on that. I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, I've been in a lot of Polygon chains that are kind of centered around a a group that's in Shroots, um, you know, WGMI Racing and Shroots and um, Drag Me to Hell was part of the Death series. So it's almost like a, a lottery NFT where – um, there's gamification and, and stuff to it. The Mr. Collins is a G, so we might actually try to get him on this podcast. But Ooh, let's talk about that. Ooh, that's a good one. So let's talk about what we're looking forward to our podcast next year. There you go. So um, we appreciate everyone who listened to us in 2021 as we got this thing off the ground, as we worked out our cadence, and as we kind of worked out you know, how we want this show to look and and, and sound and all that. So a couple things that we're looking forward to doing on here in next year is we've already lined it up for some interviews next year. That's exciting. That's something we teased early on, but uh, now that we finally feel like we're <laughs> we got the basics down, we can we can do that a little bit. Um, I'm gonna get some more stories written. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm gonna write a story. I'm gonna, I'm already working on another one for my unicorns. I have an alpaca story I'm writing. Um, I have one I've done for a sad girl bar NFT that I have. I have a story about my baller that I can't wait to share. I have a story that will uh, be bringing in another woo woo crew. And so I have a bunch of stories that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to getting, you know, collecting new NFTs going into next year that have stories about them. So um, that's something I'm looking forward to doing. I'm looking forward to the NFL NFTs, right? You, <laughs> I've been bugging you about that a lot. You know how I'm excited about that one. Oh, yeah. I've definitely made it aware or made you aware that I have that Saints Rare and I've got that three-digit Alvin Kamara. Ooh, I almost can't sleep at night thinking about that one. So, uh, but yeah, that, that, that so that's exciting. That's something that's what I'm, that's probably what I'm mostly looking forward to this space. You're talking about the, the flow and dapper uh, growth. Like, yeah, I want to see where they go. I, I probably, I'll probably be falling behind. So, but I think at this point, we've probably rambled enough. Let's go ahead and, uh, and let the people go, Jeremy. Uh, so thank you all very much for finding uh, sticking with us today and this year. Uh, we look forward to a great next year with you all and the whole community around NFTs. You can find me at Poofy Hair Guy on Twitter. And what about you, Jer? You can find me at Mr. Jerkdake. Um, we definitely look forward to sitting down with you all again next week and, and in the weeks to come. Uh, if you've got any projects you want us to review or talk about or stories, go ahead and hit us up on our podcast twitter handle at nft podcast and thank you all again very much y'all have a great week 